Welcome to Soundcheck. My name is Andrew Mullen. I'm joined by my co-host. Michael Livingston, what's up? We were going to do one in hair metal, but luckily we managed to spare Michael because our guest this week uh, pulled out a few days ago and said he couldn't do it till next Sunday. You're so not we'll sparing me. It's still forthcoming. Removing your execution date. Just We're pushing that back just a week, Michael. Great. I get to marinate in it in a little <laughs> yeah. longer. That's cool. I, I, I was concerned telling you because I thought the first thing I thought was like, he's going to yell at me because all he's going to think is I wasted my week listening to this awful music for nothing. <laughs> That's all I was thinking. So I was like, ugh. He took a little better than I thought he would, so that's good. Yeah. But although now notice is starting to infect his life, and we'll look into that later. Oh, yeah. But pretty much, yeah. So that's not. Um, we're not doing hair metal this week. Yeah. Instead, what we're doing is something I really wanted to do, uh, because me and Michael, we went, we kind of had like a music day out kind of uh, yeah. this Friday, and I knew we'd be doing that. So what I wanted to do was for have us to go into the record stores and do one of my favorite things to do there. Dig through the dollar CD bins and see what we can find, whatever it might be. And that's what we did. So you'll see some bands that you'll know. You'll see some artists that you definitely don't know. Mm -hmm. And you'll see some very special treats later on. Oh, yeah. So that's what we're doing today. Now, Michael, if you'd like to explain what we did Friday in more detail. I I had a great day Friday. Andrew and I had out. We had off campus around like, what, 2 o'clock in the afternoon. We first drove to Lansing. Um hit up a record shop that I've never been to before called Flat Black and Circular. Mm -hmm. Might be one of my new favorite stores now just because I've never been to a store that has like a good selection of metal. And that place actually has a pretty good metal selection. Uh, I wouldn't say it's good, but comparative it, to compared what Compared to it. like the Ann Arbor stores, yeah, which I'm it, used it's, to. It's definitely better. Mm -hmm. um, there's a, there, you know, there's a store in Columbus called Use Kids Records, and they actually have a decent, they actually have a really good punk selection and mm -hmm. also have a pretty solid metal selection too. Yeah. So... Either way, so we hit up that that story. It was a great time. Um, picked up a couple things there. Um, you know, aside from doing the the CD searching, we also were doing our own personal record shopping because um, we're both collectors. And then, um, and then after that, we drove to Ann Arbor. Um, after spending way too much time in that first store, like we really <laughs> lost track of time in there. Oh yeah, we kind of just got lost. And then we went to Ann Arbor um, to Encore Records, which is I would say is like kind of the most famous record store in the area. Like, I, whenever I talk in, to a collector... Arbor, yeah. Yeah. Whenever I talk to people, it's like, well, where do you get your records? And people say, like, Encore. Yeah. I would say Dearborn's pro Dearborn Music. Yeah, um, I'm still... Well, I still really want to go there. I've never yeah, been there. It, it, it's a little pricey, but it's really fun, but it's huge. It's probably the most well-known one in Michigan, I want to say. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, Encore's probably a close second to that. I was going to tell you, over Christmas break, because um, we were going to do this record store outing over Christmas break, but uh, Andrew had some car problems and various other things. Um, but I was going to make the trek all the way to Dearborn Music by myself just because I really, you really got me pumped up to see this place. But regardless, I didn't end up doing it. I ended up going to get Panera instead. <laughs> but, yeah, we went to we went to Encore, um, found some more records there, got some CDs, and then... Um, I brought this up to Andrew last week. Um, we went and saw a show later that night, um, uh, just a small house show. Um, and we didn't know it was a house show beforehand. Yeah, yeah, we thought it was an actual venue, like a restaurant or bar or something like that. But uh, it nope, it ended up being another house. And uh, Andrew and I have actually been to one other house show. We saw Grey Matter and yeah. various the Lansing local bands um, there, and there were and all of them were pretty good. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, but I enjoyed I it. love Gray Matter, so. Mm -hmm. that, was that was both fun. of our first house shows um, we've ever been to. Like, I, I, that's probably, like, you know, you hear, like, uh, old punks talk about, like, 
you know, back when they were kids, they would, they would go to these house shows and just be like 20, 30 people. And, you know, it would be a crazy time. And, you know, they would have to stay at the houses and live off of like, you know, just food that they could it find. Really and is like is a staple of the punks. Sorry. Yeah. No, I, I feel you for that. And then, like, that's probably, like, the closest you're going to get is, like, these DIY scenes that are all around Michigan, you know? Yeah, and, uh, I mean, you, you, there was even some kind of parts that, uh, to Mount Pleasant, uh, when I wrote the punk story, uh, since they last semester, no, it's not last semester anymore. It's a year now. But it, um, almost a year coming up, yeah, since I've written that. And uh, the the place I wrote about, at the time, known as, known as Rebels now, but as the foolery before. And yeah, um, Harvey Fenier, the guy who owned it, like when he brought in Black Flag and all you know the Flaming Lips and brought all, all them up here, he would just let them stay in his attic you know, there because he's like, yeah, that was part of the way he paid them. It's like, okay, I'm going to have you have a place where you guys can crash tonight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and I wouldn't so. be surprised if like those two shows that we went to, like a band from there, like stayed the night at oh, that house. You no, know? no, if answer buts. Well, the one, well, the Grey Matter show, he was talking to me. He's like, yeah, both Grey Matter, a lot of the members from Grey Matter, and a, another local Lansing band called Red Strike. They share that house, and they, and that's where they live. And also, um, funny enough, uh, the lead singer to um, Grey Matter lives in Brighton. He actually yeah. lives like probably mm-hmm. like five minutes from my house. Actually, mm-hmm. um, is there. So that's actually that was pretty interesting. So, yeah, I mean that's that's kind of it. How those house shows and people crashing at those house. That's as big staple of the punk scene and yeah you know it's good to see that stuff still alive yeah so but this past show that we went to on friday um i don't know if anybody listened to that first one but if you do if you did i, I the suggestion i made at the end of the show was to check out a band called dogleg um i've met them a couple of times when i saw them first at Bloodfest uh 2017 2016 um and th- they just kind of stole the show and I, and I wanted Andrew to experience that band because, you know, it was very exhilarating to see them that first time. So we, we seeked out the show. We, we ran into some debacles. Like we didn't know we had to like eat or message the venue for the location. So we like, we put in this address that's just like on the Facebook and it just takes us to downtown you know, Ypsilanti, and we're like, well, where do we go from here? So you know? I, 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 like the 11th hour, I was just like frantically texting, like, like, Zoom, some Facebook messaging the guys in Dockleg and the venue, and I was like, and then, then, like, a few, like, minutes later, we got the, uh, I got the message back, and like, go to this address, and like, and then we just ventured forth into the, uh, and realized, oh, this is another house show. <laughs> yeah, but it was still, it was still a great time. Oh, yeah, it, it was, it was a f- very fun night. The, there was, um, Four bands playing in total, counting Dog League, the headliner. Um, uh, the one, what was the one band that went right before them? What were they called? Because they were really good. Yeah, couldn't tell you. Um, I, the only ones I remember is uh, Yay High, which was the duo of like the guitarist and the drummer. That, that and, was that was no, that was the first. That was the first band that played. Sure. Yeah, it was the hardcore punk band to play first with Jay High. Then there was like this kind of weird emo esque um, pop punk kind of band. Mm-hmm. Not really though. I'm probably describing that terribly. But th- that was the duo. Right. It was called Summer Brews. There's one right before them. Uh, ben Steller. Ben. Yeah. Ben, ben Ben Steller, and then they were great. I really liked them. Yeah, you. And that one was the only one that had um that was a, a four people rather than a than a trio or. A, I think there was more than four, wasn't there? No, there was a. Yeah, no, you're right. Because there was, was two guitarists. There's two guitarists, a drummer, and a um a singer, a, a bassist, and a singer. Yeah, so it was 
it was a it was a five piece and they they were loud you know they yeah. they made a lot of noise not, not very aggressive but very energetic they got the crowd moving you know and andrew went into that place saying like you know i'm in the mood to mosh i want to get down i haven't done it in a while and yeah it was it was a great time fred's <laughs> laughing because he probably doesn't think i'm the moshing type <laughs> Yeah, it's well, funny like, watching Andrew in a mosh pit because, like, you'll see him when we get a camera, but Andrew's just a skinny guy, so watching <laughs> watching him get just, like, launched from other sides of the room well, is hilarious. Well, but he, he, I, 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 I pay my... Yes, he takes his glasses off. Yes, <laughs> although he, he had to, too, but, like, it was it was great because, um, I mean, the way, again, I, I'm skinny, so I, I just kind of throw myself very loose in, mm-hmm. in, in them, so I just kind of let myself get just tossed around a bit. I'll throw my, I'll just kind of throw myself and just... I just kind of let what happened happen. It's my <laughs> yeah, role. But, like, them. the look of joy on your face just well, watching. It was I, I so fun. I didn't think Ben Seller was very much of a moshing band because, mm-hmm. again, like I said, they weren't aggressive. They were energetic, but they didn't, like, they were, like, if I'm moshing, it's got to be some aggression to the music. And I sure, didn't really sure. get it. So I wasn't really in the mood to mosh with them, but mm-hmm. Dog Leg really did get me moving. Oh, yeah. So pl- just keep it short, but what mm-hmm. did you think of Dog Leg? Oh, well, you already know my opinion from suggesting they're probably like my favorite band to come out of, uh, you know, the Michigan underground scene right now. Uh, There are ones I like more, but they were really good. Yeah. um, And and for those, well, nobody knows, but they're coming out with a record um, this year and they mentioned that it's on a fairly bigger label than what they're used to. So I'm really hoping uh, that. Good production. Yeah, good. Well, not even that because they're they're uh, the EP that came out uh, last year, the year before had great production on it. It okay. was really well put together album for like a small label, small budget kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But the this new one they said is going is on a bigger label, hoping that they'll have more uh, publicity and advertisement and stuff like that, and they'll hopefully just gain some popularity because I I feel like if that happens. I'll be personally responsible for it, and I'll have that in my heart. Just be like, yeah, I was responsible for this band getting somewhat big. But so if anyone, so if I can get like ten people to just look up this band and listen to them, I would appreciate it. I thought they were really good. To me, again, I, I don't. As far as like Michigan punk or underground music goes, I mean, like, there are bands I like more. Like, I can the Gray Matter. Mm-hmm. I, I like more. Um, just based off what I've heard, Murder Party is another great underground Michigan band. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Toss Pines as well. I think they've they've been around for a bit, but you know I think they're they're a really good, interesting take on the folk punk genre. But mm-hmm. overall, I mean, but still, I I still really enjoyed them. I had a fun time. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, apparently this counts as emo music, and I know Michael's gonna. Mm-hmm. Educate me on good emo, which I didn't think was a thing past the nineties, <laughs> until no, until he starts talking. So, but that will be another episode for another time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so yeah, that's pretty much that was pretty much our day out, and after that we uh, had some music to listen to. So we each have five CDs of various amounts of fame and mm-hmm. acclaim. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, for sure. uh, it's all over the board. Oh, yeah. So we got some interesting... You'll, you'll, you'll probably be hearing some stuff you've never heard before, some stuff that you might have. Yeah. And uh, keep but, in mind, all of these CDs that we have here are a dollar. Or are these... Afraid? Some of mine might have actually been 50 cents. I don't know, because I did dig to the 50 cent CD bin mm-hmm. in a... Um, in, in a flat black as well. So, but like some of these records, where it's like you, you would think, like, okay, this is worth a dollar. Some of these are just like <laughs> your why? last one's definitely worth a dollar. Yeah, but like, 
<laughs> anyway, but like the rest of them, like some of them are just like, wow, you really that's in the dollar section. I never would have expected yeah, that. I, like you know, they're like I, I bought like a Living Color album. I bought REM records in like the dollar bin, and then mm-hmm. I next to them I see like Kid Rock. And it's like these two do not belong on the same plane at all, <laughs> yeah. at all. But anyways, uh, Michael, I'm gonna let you start first. Sure. What, what do you want to share with everyone? Yeah. So my first uh, pick here. Um, a Johnny Cash, sixteen biggest hits, these little compilation. Yes. Yeah. So, based on what I heard, these are kind of like his earlier points in his career, like yep, probably this, from the fifties to. I, yeah, I have it noted here. All, all, um, like the late fifties to the early seventies stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this doesn't. This isn't any of the stuff that he had um, with the Rick Rubin records. None yeah. of that's on there. But based on what I heard from there, there. I mean, there. I think there are a couple notable missing songs, like his Jackson duet with his wife. That's not on there. Mm-hmm. Um, but in when, a was that, when was that recorded? Oh, that would have been there in the '60s. You do have a lot of noticeable hits on here. You got oh, "I Walk sure. the Line," you got "Ring of Fire," you got uh, "Man yeah. in Black," "Ghost Riders." Yeah, pull some prison blues is on here. What? What? Did, did you listen? Is it the, is it the live one or the studio one? That that's the live one. Yep. Okay, and then uh, censored too. Uh, this is a radio edit. Uh, yeah, disc they here. did censor a, a boy named Sue on there, which annoys me greatly when they do that. I hate that. It's so yeah. stupid. But anyways, yeah. Uh, how, how familiar were you with Johnny Cash? So like prior to this album, I knew the hits. Like and like, I or- and I enjoyed them. And you all and everyone always says like I hear this all the time. I hate country music. But I I can dig Johnny Cash. Yeah, there's always that. But there's there. always that. But. There's always that asterisk. I'm the f- same way. I can't stand country music. I work at Cracker Barrel for f**k's sakes. Yeah. I have to hear that shit all the f**king time. It is horrid. Mm-hmm. And my parents listen to it. That's like that's some of my parents' favorite music. Mm-hmm. And I ever hear modern country radio, it all sounds the same to me. Right. It all blends together. It's just pop music with some tw- with like a banjo or mm-hmm. a mandolin or whatever. Yeah. But Johnny Cash, I was kind of raised on him because my dad did play a lot of his hits uh, when I was growing up in the car. So I've, I have a huge appreciation and love for the man in black. And like I said, I, I understood that um, that stigma of like Johnny Cash just being the one exception in country music just from listening to hits. But this album just uh, taught me so much more about Johnny Cash as a songwriter and a storyteller. Yes. Like, there's songs on here, like, uh, I love One Piece of the Time. That was like... I forgot about that song. Yeah. Well, I left Kentucky back in 49 and went to Detroit working on assembly line. The first year they had me putting wheels on Cadillacs. Every day I'd watch them beauties roll by and sometimes I'd hang my head and cry cause I always wanted me one that was long and black. One day I devised myself a plan that should be the envy of most any man. I'd sneak it out of there in the lunchbox in my hand. Now getting caught meant getting fired, but I figured I'd have it all by the time I retired. I'd have me a car worth at least a hundred grand. I'd get it one piece at a time, and it wouldn't cost me a dime. You know it's me when I come through your town. I'm going to ride around in style. I'm going to drive everybody wild. Because I'll have the only one there is around. For those who don't know, this is a song about, like, a guy who moves up to Detroit. He's working on the assembly line um, at, like, a GM plant, and he's building Cadillacs every day and, like, you know, doing his little part in the in the assembly line. And he's like, I want myself a Cadillac. I'm going to steal one piece 
from the assembly line every, every single day. day. Yeah, every every day or so for like a, a few years span and build myself a Cadillac. But what he forgets is like the models change going year by year. So he ends up with like this makeshift Cadillac with different parts from different was, years. You're repeating me off the songs. You said that song. I was like, oh, what's that one like? And then I, I remembered the story was. It was like, Michael, you got to play one piece at a time right mm-hmm. now. You're going to love it. Yeah. And my favorite part of the song, I think my favorite is the ending where we're like, where he was like talking to some guy over the CV radio and he asked yeah. him, so what year's your car? Well, it's a 49, it's a 50, 51, 52, whatever. Yeah. He just lays off all It's the such a cover. clever song. <laughs> it's great. And that's that might be my favorite track on here just from like how much you hyped it up and then it totally lived up to that. Yeah. But I also loved like A Boy Named Sue. That's another great storytelling yes. one about... Uh, you kind of explain this one since I just explained the last one. Um, so the boy named Sue. This is this. My dad played this song a lot in the car. So this is this this one. I kind of grew up on this song, so it's kind of holds very dear to my heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, essentially, he, this is a guy I presume in a southern part of the state who 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 was who was named whose father named Sue and then uh, and then just left. He um, left him, named him Sue, and then he grew up being tormented and bullied because. He's a guy with a girl's name, right. ha, 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 you know, that kind of thing. So he gets, like, a really strong vendetta against his, you know, the dad he's never met. And then, obviously, as the song says, he found the mood and stars. I searched the honky-tonk bars to, to kill that man who gave me that awful name. Yeah. Pretty much the whole story. Meets his dad. They start f- in a bar. They start fighting. He pulls his gun. And then one of the best twists I've ever heard to any story, he said, you know, you know son, I wasn't going to be there to take care of you. I would essentially implying that I would not have been a good dad. Mm-hmm. So what I did was I gave you that name. I said goodbye. You'd have to get tough or die. I'm just reading it, just quoting the lines. Right, right. And essentially just to make him strong, and then they huck it out, and then the yeah. ending, the classic And then ending. there's like a, yeah, then there's like the joke at the end where he's like, now if I had a kid, I would name him George Bill or Bill. George. Yeah. I hate the damn thing but Sue. Right. And I still hate that name. Yeah, and it's like it, it – it showed me that like not only is Johnny Cash a great storyteller, he's he's also throws a lot of comedy in his stuff. Like and it it gave me a greater appreciation for his material and country music in general. Like throughout the day, I had the don't to get don't to get don't to get like the country beat <laughs> going through my head yeah. all Dude, throughout the day. You know? some, his first, his very first album is actually really good. And that's one I that's one I would recommend people start on the uh, the classic F. Olsen Prison Blues live album. That's a, that's a damn classic. Oh, yeah. That's definitely one to check out. And you know what? His Rick Rubin material was great revitalization for his career. And like, who would have ever thought Johnny Cash would become relevant again in the 90s? But he did. Those first four Rick Rubin albums are uh, absolutely fantastic. On the first Rick Rubin album, the very last one's called uh, The Man Who Didn't Cry or something. I think mm-hmm. that's the title. Don't want to spend too long on this, but just look it up. It's really funny. It's really, it's actually kind of tearful a bit too. Really great. To sum it all up, I love this record. I'm keeping this. I'm going to be listening to it a lot and I'm, so glad I picked this up because this gave me a greater appreciation for this man, this artist, and you can catch me delving into a lot more of the deep cuts. I got some records for you to borrow. How about right. that? Thank you. All right, man. You're well, next. you don't have a record play up here, do you? No. So next maybe year. Not. Next year. Next year. Yeah. I'll let you borrow some Johnny Cash. Albums. Awesome. If you don't, if you don't put some in your collect collection by then, I probably will. Yeah. We'll see. Go for it. All right. So I'm gonna start off with something that you've, unlike Johnny Cash, you've probably never heard of. Mm-hmm. Um. Flat Black, I think, recently got a massive, massive radio station dump from, like, some station up in Traverse City. Yeah. Because they had a bunch of CDs and albums or whatever with this uh, W. 
NHC, I think that's the station name. There's just a bunch of stuff, and it's re it's really fun. They write all their notes on like the actual sleeves of the right. albums and the CDs. But it's but then you don't really have blind buys. You just kind of because you can already have like reviews like mm -hmm. based on what is what what this is. So this band is called I think Skier. Um, this Skier. Yeah. Try to pronounce that. Sheer. I think it's Sheer. I think sheer. that's a S S H sound. Um, the album's called Affliction. I think this is their debut album. Mm -hmm. Yeah, pretty much the note on here says guitar-driven rock, perhaps a bit noisy at times. Overall, a good recording. Band shows good depth throughout, and it gives it a, a rating of three stars out of four. And I was like, okay, well, based on that, it, when you say it's a bit too noisy, I like I, I like me some noisy rock, oh, yeah. so I'll take it. And of course, when we were just about to head down to Ann Arbor because we were getting gas and we started playing this, and me and Michael started flipping our shit because we was, oh, this is gonna be awesome. Yeah. It's a it's an Irish rock band. It's a, a chick led. Wikipedia described them as like an alternative metal band. Mm. I didn't really get metal as much as they no. were more heavier rock. Yeah, it's more just like some really well put together alternative rock. Yeah. Um, with and a female vocalist behind that kind of stuff is. Very, very strong. Uh, her name is uh, Audrey Gallagher. I, I presume no relation up. to the uh, Oasis guys. But mm -hmm. who did she remind you of? I mean, this is gonna sound a little bad when I say it, but it reminded me of Dolores O'Riordan from uh, from the Cranberries. So yeah, I know. Be comparing a female a female rock singer to the only other female rock singer that I, that would come to mind. Mm -hmm. But you know, you know, she she did kind of remind me a bit of her. She reminded me of other female singers. Like uh, there's a band called a Spanish rock band called Dover. You probably haven't heard much of, but I was getting a bit of flavors from that as well. Very good. Lots of great. I loved production. The guitar sounded really interesting and heavy and groovy. Mm -hmm. um, but they also did go softer. They'd have their acoustic tracks and their slower, um, more alternative rock sounding albums. There was a lot of um, variety in this record, but mm -hmm. um, didn't like deviate from itself too much. Yeah, no, it, it it kept with a common theme, which I really appreciated. And and just listening to it, you know, it these kind of records after you know the A side, you're kind of like it's droning on a little bit. There wasn't a lot of uh, vocal dynamic going on. Uh, like I was really craving throughout the record because she had this great. Um, voice, but I really wanted her to like get really guttural at times. Like I wanted her to scream. I wanted her to like, like go like almost screaming females. Yeah, yeah. Like that would really, have been interesting. I would have loved that. Um, regardless, it was it was still a, a fun listen. I know you said um that they had a new EP out. Like when you did research, they released one last year. Yeah, yeah. I didn't find that. And it was after like what? And you didn't find that as no. Really? I, I just I, looked that up on Google. They had two albums: this one, Affliction, in '96, and then another one in 2000. Maybe I was looking at perhaps like a re-release of it, and it Maybe. came out last year. If it is, actually is a new EP, I think that's an after an, yeah. that would be an 18 year hiatus or something like yeah. that. Yeah, I remember. So if people are complaining about Tool not releasing an album after so long, <laughs> maybe maybe I just need to do more digging. But yeah, overall, I thought it was really good. Um, you said you said you saw this on Spotify, right? I did. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. look it up on Spotify. I enjoyed it. Sheer, spelled S C H E E R. Yes, and probably the song I liked the most on here was. You know, I think I like the second track a lot, Howlin' Boy. It had a really, really good groove to it.
of great grooves to it. But anyway, next, <sighs> you bastard, you got the best one yeah. out of this whole. Like, gen, like as far as quality of the music, generally the best one. Oh yeah, here, I'm very angry. Here's you found a this diamond for you right here. Adolescence self-titled LP, the very first one. It's got all the greatest tracks. It's got I Hate Children. It's got Kids of the Black Hole. It's got Amoeba. It's got Rip It Up. It's got No Way. It's got all the great ones. Also, this was in the dollar section, man. Yeah, and, and when I'm looking, it also has the Welcome to Reality EP, that classic. We are scientists in our lab, looking through the microscope. The little glass sides, they never lie. How can this form I come? I've never seen anything like it before. This amoeba's got a money of its own. But don't turn your back to stupid science world. This is reaching for the telephone. Some, looks like some Rick Agnew solo stuff. Like there's a, there's a lot of songs on here. And I'm genuinely jealous that you found this before me. Oh yeah, genuinely. Andrew obviously is your punk boy. I. Uh, <laughs> but this so this adolescence record is very near and dear to my heart. And it is to mine as well for a couple reasons. One of them, I kind of frustrated with Michael here, and I'll explain why in a second. Mm-hmm. But the first thing is this is one of the best punk albums ever made. Bar none, no debate. It is probably in the top five. 100%. It is amazing. Um, of course, you have the classic like Amoeba, Kings of the Black Hole, mm-hmm. you know, um, Who is Who. Um, yeah. Seriously, Amoeba is one of the catchiest songs in this genre that you'll ever hear. Oh, yeah. I love it so much. I That's my by far my favorite song on this album, and of course, from the adolescents themselves. Well, what, what's, what's interesting about this record um, is that it has a weird place in my head and my heart because... And this is why I'm frustrated with you, Michael, okay. because you and some and sometimes rightfully so have claimed that I talk a bit about my favorite band too much, Bad Religion. Right. But you put me in a place where I have to talk about them, even though I try not to talk about them okay. as much. Because without the adolescence, I wouldn't have Bad Religion, or at least not certainly not to the same. In, no. They would never be the same band as they are today um, because Adolescents did a lot of three-way harmonies and, you know, very melodic hook, you know, very hooky melodic songs mm-hmm. that Bad Religion would go on to essentially perfect with their sound going suffer onwards. So at least I'm going to say this, that I give credit to the Adolescents where I can't give Bad Religion. Adolescents were the first doing that before Bad Religion ever started to touch mm-hmm. that. So... This is not this is a highly, highly influential album. And it would go on to just just to influence so many different genres of punk and many bands, you know, no effects. In fact, Mike, I've seen him wear the classic adolescence blue t-shirt, you know, the, the, the album cover, I've seen him wear a t-shirt of that, oh, yeah. of which I also have. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it, this is just an amazing record. Um, everything, the vocals, uh, production is the only thing that bothers me because sometimes the dynamics aren't there, but the bass playing is phenomenal. Oh, Re- wow, dude. Rest in p- peace. Uh, uh, was it Steve Soto? Mm-hmm. Just seriously, love this record to bits and pieces. Oh yeah, I've talking too long, Michael. What it's do you right. want to say about it? I, there's really nothing I can say that would be repeating what you just said. It's been probably about three or four years since I've listened to this thing front to back, and going back to it, listening it to listening to it in Andrew's car, and we're just in there like you know bobbing our heads. We're going crazy to these songs. We're singing them. 
like there is really not a bad track no. in this album. Like it's just all just very. It blends together. It it's it works. Every every track is exciting. So and, yeah. Just just one more industry. I remember antidote because actually I wanted to bring this up. I don't know if you knew this, and mm-hmm. I'm surprised I didn't know this. Um, the song I hate children. Now that one. Sounds bad at first, and it kind of is. I mean, I kind of figured it was always a song about how, uh, what's his face, what's uh, Tony, the lead singer, how much he hates children. Yeah. And you, you, it's very easy to assume that because he's oh, he sings in such a bratty manner throughout this whole record, which is why I love it. Yeah. Uh, so Tony, um, uh... he goes by so many different stage names. Uh, on this one is uh, Tony Cadena. Uh, Cadena. I don't yeah. know. How, I never know how to pronounce it. But yeah, he's he always has a really bratty way of singing, mm-hmm. but um. The song I Hate Children actually is supposed to be sarcastic because when I looked up the the, the inspiration of that song, because mm-hmm. he has children now, he's a father, and when he's he, he wrote that because, well, you know, um, through an account of like he overheard like a conversation once about like a a wife and a father and so wife and a father, a, a husband and wife um, talking, and they had a crying child, and the husband saying, you know, I hate children, and then um, also with his own experiences with his birth father, he had left when he was very young. He just mm. straight up and left, so he he always kind of had that kind of, like, mentality, you know, how people, you know, these, these are the messages he kind of got, so he was reflecting that in the song, so he doesn't actually want to smack children around. He's He was actually kind of, you know, saying, hey, he's just going from his own experiences, so I thought it was actually a really interesting anecdote and i didn't know before so yeah absolutely um, well I, and i think that kind of wraps up all we can say about this it, i mean it's it's punk rock gold that's all i gotta say yes so go into this this so interesting so then find. right after he thought he found another copy of it and i was excited but then you pulled out it's like oh i don't even know what this is and i saw it it's like well actually i do know what this is it's a band called di this is their second album uh horse bites dog cries <laughs> love it so di was actually formed out of like the, the original breakup of um uh, the adolescents, uh, drummer Casey Royer and Rick Ag and guitarist Rick Agnew, who are also both former members of Social Distortion, because you know, if there's any band that has as many lineup changes more than any other band in the punk genre, it's Social Distortion. Oh, yeah. But yeah, Casey Royer actually fronts this band, even though he was the drummer for both the Adolescents and Distortion. And Rick Agnew is, of course, guitar player. Who and Rick Agnew is also part of the the band Christian Death, who I assume Brent likes a lot. Do you like him, Brent? Oh, Brent's okay. I'm oh, I'm surprised. I thought he'd be more than just okay in Christian death. A little overrated. Not really my thing, but you know. But yeah, so there's there are a lot of adolescent connections to DI. Widely regard this as the DI's best album. I mean, beyond like the first two, there's not really much to go into with them, but this is a really great record. I was just listening to this again right before we were recording. I forgot how awesome this album is. Mm-hmm. Pervert Nurse, it's a great hook. Hang Ten in East Berlin's my favorite on this. It's such a great chorus. Yeah. And- Within our reach, it's within our reach. So, and ten in East Berlin, and ten in East Berlin, and ten, and ten in East Berlin, and ten in East Berlin, and ten in East Berlin, and ten, and ten in East Berlin. Keep the beat, keep the beat, so, and ten in East Berlin, and ten. 
Imminent War is a classic to me. Uh, Living in the USA is always really good. So yeah, um, I didn't listen to this with Andrew. You listened to this by yourself. I didn't. I didn't. Well, I, well I, this is the only one I knew before that mm-hmm. I bought. Bef- that I knew beforehand going in. So GDI is obviously not as big as the Adolescents. I don't think. I don't think this album is obviously as good as the Adolescents Blue mm-hmm. album. But uh, it, it is a really solid record. It's about thirty-two minutes. Doesn't take too much of your time. Definitely listen to it. Solid. Very under underrated album from the LA hardcore punk scene. We'll take a break from the punk rock for a while and we'll uh I'm gonna shout out this guy, uh Bruno Major. Not Bruno Mars, Bruno Major. Sound like okay. they wanted to be Bruno Mars. This is yeah, <laughs> this is an album called A Song for Every Moon. Um it's his only album or full length LP. Um, I looked this guy up because, you know, finding his record in the $1 bin, you'd think, okay, this guy isn't popular. But when I searched him on Spotify last night, he has over 2 million monthly listeners. So I really, yeah, you got to assume this guy has some popularity and there might be like some hardcore Bruno major fans that are listening and be like, how the hell do you not know Bruno major? But this was the first time I've ever experienced this guy. And I, same with me. Yeah. And I was drawn to this, um, simply for the packaging. It had no, it had no name on the cover, no labeling or anything like that. It was just this weird series of Zodiac signs. And uh, so my first impressions was perhaps like uh, a really like uh, obscure noise rock uh, kind of project or something like that. But really what I discovered is a uh, a jazz influenced kind of uh, pop record. I don't think it's a bad record at all, as a matter of fact, even if I have a slight distaste in, in majority of modern pop. The vocals are a little un- unpleasantly clean, at least to my ears. Yeah. But there's certainly, I, I know that like his vocal style is what's popular right now. Like, so I can understand why someone would be attracted to that kind of yeah, vocal range. No, I didn't listen to this whole thing. I think Mike, I, Michael did, I assume. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I was, we listened to about, like, the first half of this in the, in the car, and uh, I wasn't really feeling this thing. I mean, granted, I don't listen to the whole thing, so I don't know what the rest of the music is like. But what mm-hmm. the first, I liked, I think, track, I think it was track three and track six. What's that one called? Um, the first thing you see and like someone in love because like th- someone like someone in love that was like the really like jazz electric no, guitar you're, you're thinking of there's little left that that one's got a great jazz guitar solo in that, that, that I really one, but there was another one there no there was another one I there think, was probably six. periodically spread I think, out I think, the just, I think the track six had more jazz guitar and I thought that was really interesting and mm-hmm. the first thing you see actually was actually pretty moody like a moody in- acoustic song and I like that stuff yeah so like that was what I was fine with but like yeah, when he was starting to get like really high with his vocals and he's getting a little too sugary with the with the electronics and and the, the choruses, that was when I really lost me. I wasn't feeling what I was hearing too much, but mm-hmm. I mean, I've heard worse things, far worse things, especially in the pop genre. So you know what? I, for what it was, it was fine. Yeah, no, and and I would if I was to sum it up, like I'm a sucker for that jazz guitar kind of stuff. When that stuff came in, I was like this makes the album for me and this is what sets this artist apart from uh, a vocalist all the vocalists that share a similar style is the instrumentation on this album if i heard more of those jazz guitar breaks throughout this album i would really think this is something special here oh did i explain the concept at all um, uh, i don't think you did actually go ahead if if i didn't explain it uh this the album is called a song for every moon right so uh, the concept for this album is uh, there's 12 tracks, and each track was written um, for every month of the year, for every moon, if you will, for spending an entire month on a song. Like, there's some 
artists that spend a couple hours writing a song and then they're mixed and produced by the next day. This guy spends an, a, at least a month on each one of these songs. That being said, it's very underwhelming for the amount of work uh, is supposedly yeah. put into this. You record. know, like, like kind of tie that up. Um, I know what Brett said um, last week about Tool. How you thought you never thought like the, the concepts and the, the artwork and the packaging never really lived up to the music. That's kind of what my cake in here because I was looking I was actually looking forward to listening to that it's like wow that actually looks kind of cool yeah that's a very good way of putting it um it really didn't live up to expectations no it's definitely I definitely chalk it up as more mood music like I can put this on in the background in my living room and like sit down and read read a book or work on some homework and you know listen to some nice you know very calming music very soulful lyrics Uh, you know it's it's a good Recording very tight record. It just it, it did not surprise at all, you know. kind of stuff if you're in if you're into that kind of like very clean pristine kind of vocal style and want something different in the instrumentation check it out that's all i got to say so here's the thing i probably enjoyed the least out of my picks um this group is called the section quartet the album's called fuzzbox now when i saw fuzzbox i thought oh that's kind of like some distortion stuff then i looked in the back and i i probably should have been able to guess what this was when i saw the fact that this is a covers album but I, I, I still remained optimistic. Um, there, there are a lot of covers from artists like The Strokes, Juice Boxes on here, No One Knows by the Queens of the Stone Age. Got some stuff from the Postal Service, Muse, Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs, David, David Bowie, Radiohead, Led Zeppelin, strangely throwing this mix, uh, Soundgarden and whatnot. Um, I was like, okay, well, maybe this will be a weird, like, alternative colors album. Mm-hmm. In a sense, it was, but not really. Um, for anyone out there listening, have you ever heard of the Vitamin String Quartet? pretty much the the what we got going on here um pretty much this is like a a, a quartet of like string players i think there's a violin a cello actually two violins i want to say what yeah right here two violins a viola and a cello mm-hmm. here's the thing i'm 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 okay with like other like genres covering stuff that definitely doesn't fit in there mm-hmm. i love you ever heard of the me first and the gimme gimme's i haven't they're a punk band that covers songs that are Definitely not punk. Huh. They're, they're a punk rock super group, and they got members like Fat Mike's in there. He plays bass. Okay. I don't remember. I think their lead singer is from Swamp Face to the Face. I'm probably wrong on that. Don't mm-hmm. quote me on that. But yeah, and they played. They like I love the cover of Come Sail Away by Sticks. It's great. They covered a uh, Straight Up by uh what what's what, what's her name um uh I the name escapes me, but that that's I was also a really good cover um mm-hmm. covered Bob Dylan before. It's great shit. 
Yeah. I'm fine with that. So you're into that whole concept of like yeah. just covering stuff that doesn't. Yeah, have you ever heard of Richard Cheese? Oh. Richard Cheese and Lounge Against the Machine mm-hmm. pretty much takes all like a bunch of rap hits, pop hits, uh, metal hits, and rock hits and covers them in lounge style. Hmm. And it is actually f-ing awesome. I won't spend too much time in him, but Richard Cheese, check him out. But I don't like this. I this wasn't I'm feeling it because they just they kind of I want to say bastardized some of these songs, but they kind of bastardized some of these songs, especially Black Hole Sun. Yeah, that one really like they took essentially one of the most interesting sounding songs from the 90s and essentially boiled it down to the kind of music that Mr. Krabs would play on the world's smallest <laughs> violin. If you remember that episode, that's pretty much what I got. It was so cheesy. And I was like, go away. Yeah, uh, but you kind of had a little I was, more on I was, board with it. I was a little more optimistic, ex- especially with the tracks like uh, their take on uh, "No One Knows" from Queens of the Stone Age. That one was actually p- pretty kick ass. Not gonna lie, um, the Paranoid Android one, I I dug too. Um, and then and then we both kind of agreed their take on the Led Zeppelin track "Heartbreaker." Yeah, that was Heartbreaker very interesting. Is probably my favorite Zeppelin song. Mm-hmm. Maybe that or "Rock and Roll." It's one of those two. Um, but yeah, I, I thought it was almost kind of they kind of had more of like a like a gypsy music style feel. To yeah, it. it yeah. definitely had that kind of feel. I'm not going like full Gorho Bodello, but you know, um, definitely had that kind of feel to it. And I was like, okay, you know what? That actually sounds interesting. Mm-hmm. That actually kind of fits what they're doing. think if they would have incorporated more of that gypsy style on the other tracks nah, you could have liked I it more even say that i just i just think you know i mean i don't know and this sounds harsh but like a lot of this just seemed really pointless to me mm. like it really just didn't need to exist and some of this stuff really probably shouldn't have again it's I, i'm not them they make what they want to make and you know again i'm not saying these were just straight up awful mm. but it's just like I know, especially a lot of these songs, I know what I want out of them, and they've kind of taken away everything that I do from them and then really doesn't add anything that I enjoy. So, I don't know. I, I just wasn't really feeling it, and I feel like... Maybe you know. it wasn't really wise on their part to choose such well-renowned songs. Maybe taking some deep cuts from those bands would have been a wiser option. Like Maybe. You, you think Paranoid Android by Radiohead, I you can... I thought that would actually own... be kind of cool, but it really wasn't to me. Yeah, but like you you hear that in your head, and it's like, I can't really imagine that being played in any other way. And then when you hear it played in another way, you're kind of like, uh, I don't I, This doesn't do it for me like the original does. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, again, here's the thing. I, I, again, I'm okay with cover songs. I, I mean, again, I, I love, I especially love when other genre artists take songs from other genres and then put it in their own. I think that's fine. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I guess, I guess it's just this style. I know the vitamin string quartet, they do this kind of crap a lot too. And honestly, I, it's just not really my thing. Fair enough. All right. I got uh, another record right here um, that Andrew and I are very split on. Um, I wouldn't say very, but. I I would say this is probably the going after what you believe is the least, your least favorite. This is probably my least favorite out of the five picks that I got, which um, 
It's surprising considering it's a punk record. I, you know, I, I do, I do. Why we're split, (laughs) right? Probably. I picked this up. Um, by the way, this is a uh, a self-titled album by a band called Sweet Belly Freakdown. Uh, very, very (laughs) awesome name in my opinion. I love that. Freakdown should be a dance move. Yeah, but like, um, I was drawn to this right away. Um, from this cover art, and I wish I could show it on a, on something, but it's it's like this uh, Japanese style artwork um, of like a girl in front of a town that's about to be swallowed by a tsunami. It's very very cool artwork, and then it has a little annotation here: "Do not air number six. So I assumed this this album had to have had some radio play, therefore it had this, to be this, good. And you did way. buy this at Flat Black, right? Yeah. So yeah, this uh, was I a Flat Black. Pro- might have been something that was played by that radio station then. Mm-hmm. So to chalk it up, though, uh, this is essentially just uh, this. This came out in '97, right? And it's basically their take on Black Flag style punk rock, um, specifically from the My War era, is what I'm picking up. You would disagree, though. What would you say? I mean, I, when I, well, granted, I, I didn't listen to the whole... Okay, we probably listened to the first five tracks, and then I, I listened to some sound clips before then, because you told that to me, and I was like, I don't remember that, and then Brent played it, and it's like, first of all, I thought I actually I, I enjoyed it, because, again, I, I, I'm just a punk guy. I, mm-hmm. I don't think all punk, by the way, is automatically good. I you don't, should clarify that. Like, Yeah, I don't. Like, first of all, Flipper, I'm sorry, they're not good. I knew, <laughs> I knew Brent was going to do that. I knew Brent was going to do that, and I was waiting for it. You never cease to disappoint me. <laughs> so, and then you're, you're indifferent to TSOL as well. No, as well. Not indifferent. Um, I just think they're a bit overrated for mm-hmm. what they are, uh, but... I will. Brent agrees with that. I mean, I still like some of their stuff, but like, so again, it should be said that just because something's punk no. doesn't mean Andrew's gonna but like. But I, I will. I will go as far to say I tend to be. I don't want to say more forgivable, but I just tend to have or less standards. But you know, I just tend to like have gets more of a soft spot. It's just one of the things I have a soft spot just for. Just kind of dug into your nature. So it's, yeah, and you know, when I was listening to it, I didn't really get a black flag. Well, I guess got some black flag elements, but I wasn't really like thinking that this is like my war wasn't screaming in my brain when I heard it. Mm-hmm. And I like the vocals. They're very very shouty but i think a good kind of shouty and uh because there's definitely still some structure to it mm-hmm. and you know it's really punchy stuff and it's stuff i'm kind of a sucker for that's what i thought but i know you disagree with me i think i think the album was very spontaneous but kind of in the worst way possible um <laughs> like uh, we, we were talking about like uh on a, on the johnny cash record on uh the legend of john henry's hammer where there's a lot of like false stops t- to songs and i feel like that's a lot in this there's a lot of that in this record to where it's you think it's gonna end and you really want it to end but it doesn't it just keeps going on and keeps picking back up and slowing back down and picking back up and it's like some of these especially for a punk record of this nature you gotta cut those songs short some of these stuff some of this stuff is like three and a half to four minutes long you can shorten it down to two and i think i think that's a fair point to make Mm -hmm. um but again just based on the sound clips i got i i liked it and mm-hmm. also, just a side note, that does not mean you shouldn't check out John Henry's Hammer. That's an eight-minute oh, yeah. long epic from Cash. It's <laughs> one of his best songs ever. But that's just a side note. I can't, yeah. And then to finally, and then just to kind of conclude, um, I want to do some more research on this band before I make any final judgments on this album because the, the, the vibe that I kind of got from it is this is probably like three or four dudes 
um, like high school, college level age that are like huge fans of the punk eighties punk scene that just want to make a record together. I mean, because because like you said, the artwork is very interesting and very cool, mm-hmm. and it looks f- like a very well put together album, and it's on a label, so yeah, there's definitely some professionalism with this band. So there I don't is. know if if that's the case. If it's if it's some some friends that want to make an album just for fun, and they you know they didn't plan to go con- commercially popular with it, I can respect that. I can definitely respect that. But uh, if if this if they were really serious about this album, they thought this album was going to be a, a big debut, and they were going to go places with it. I mean, they didn't have any records after this, so I'll, I'm just going to leave it at that. I think me and Michael are probably going to trade these two CDs. Uh, yeah. Because I think we're kind of, because my next pick, I think we're also kind of split on. Mm-hmm. Uh, not to the same degree as that one, but um, this one, this I think the band's called Graph Rabbit. Yeah. And, it, and the album's called Snowblind. So, to me, I, I had like a number of issues with this one. Um, so, well, first of all, the reason why I picked it, because um, I don't know if this was... It's, this had to have been a radio station copy. I don't know if it was from the same station, but it has like a big description on it in the front, and it has a lot of like, like related artists to it. And some of them were some of them. I was Tom York, which we'll get to in a second. Oh yeah, <laughs> the Dodos, which I knew before and I really liked. And I saw Nick Drake. I was like, holy, f- this could be awesome. Oh yeah. And I was, and then as Michael was describing to me, um, and maybe a bit worried, uh, but I was still like thought it could have been interesting. It's a concept album, and the whole description. And I'm sorry, this does sound a bit pretentious to me. It's mm-hmm. like describing like it's like an it's a concept album, and it's about falling in and out of sleep and walking through a forest and like oh whatever. Okay. Yeah, very tranquil, <laughs> very tranquil. And that's pretty much the perfect word. Actually, the perfect word to describe this music. Very tranquil. Um, very, I'll admit, very pretty music and quite a bit of the places. I remember like, like the third track or something. Um, one or two tracks in a row, there was pretty much just acoustics, and I thought butterscotch was, was definitely one of those. Yeah. So I think that might have been the one that I really liked. I thought it was like, ooh, this kind of has like a vibe to it. I was like, yeah, that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but my, sorry, my biggest issue with this album, mm-hmm. it was. There was pretty much no dynamics throughout the entire record. It all kind of stayed at one level. Mm-hmm. It all kind of stayed this very tranquil, as you said, kind of mood and mm-hmm. um, just kind of even in volume and just, you know, instrumentation just kind of seemed at one level. And I just like this would have been much better if it like swelled up a bit at some point. If it, Yeah, because there are some songs I felt like, oh, it's building up to something and then it doesn't. Mm-hmm. So to me, that was this was kind of disappointing. But I know you were kind of a little more forgiving. Yes, on this. I I really enjoyed it just because um I mentioned in the last episode I'm I'm a fairly big Radiohead guy, and when I saw Tom York as a related artist, I kind of jumped on that right away. 
I did not expect, however, <laughs> that this guy's voice is literally a carbon copy of oh Tom my York. God. It's so similar. It's just, just like at some points it's so blatant. I'm just like, okay, you're on a bust out singing in Rainbow with a paranoid <laughs> yeah, Android at exactly. some point. Like that's what I was expecting. No, but like um and I respect that. I respect the the trying to imitate Tom York because that is very hard to do. Um I wish you wouldn't have made it so obvious, but I, I, I can respect that. And I, but it's basically, I would just chalk this album up as like Radiohead without the cool part of Radiohead, <laughs> like the, the really, uh, especially with the, you know, the later material, that's the experimental stuff like the, just, you won't yeah. find music like that anywhere else. You, you know, know what I'm saying? I, 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 I didn't hate it, especially was the, I think the track Butterscotch again, mm-hmm. I really liked that one but um i do I, like this record and I, I, I didn't hate it i i, I thought it was okay mm. and uh me and andrew are, are going to trade those records that we were split on but like um i, I i'm gonna get listen to this a few more times and i'm gonna give a well uh, give a more well-established opinion on it we um uh, yeah it, it, from what i heard i liked and that's all i gotta say and pretty much all i gotta say yeah all right, now I think we've saved our best picks for last, and I'm. I'll go first. Oh yes, I know you are. Yeah, let's just get this out of the way. All right, let's get my boy Kenny G <laughs> oh, a quick no. shout out up here with his album <laughs> Miracles, a holiday album. Oh. You got tracks like Winter Wonderland. You got White Christmas. You got Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. You got Silent Night. It's it's you know, dude, it's Kenny G. I mean, what this sounds can- awful. <laughs> I don't want this. I hate Christmas music. For and those coming who from Kenny G. Yeah. For those who don't know, Kenny G is um, probably the most well-renowned uh, re- uh, saxophone player of all time. This guy's sold over 75 million records. Um, and and I I've heard about him before, and um, I have a soft spot for you know brass instrumentation and classical and jazz and all that stuff. So uh, going into it, I was just like, I've heard Kenny G. Let's give this a shot. A, a holiday album. When, on the way back, I was thinking to myself, well, probably a holiday album is not a good way to start my dive into Kenny G. But I actually really liked it. Um, like, and, and I'm going to uh, listen to more of him. I especially like to have yourself a merry little Christmas. Some of this stuff does not sound like Christmas music at all. Obviously, you can hear like, okay, there's, you know, there's the uh, the little jingle and silver bells that's like instantly recognizable, but it's original enough to where it's like, yeah, this is this is cool. This is very cool. I'm like, no, anyone, <laughs> I know everyone can see me. I'm just shaking my head. <laughs> like, don't, I, I'm, I'm sorry. First of all, I... I, I try not to be Grinch. I like Christmas time, but God, the music is awful. Mm. I can't stand it. And I don't care if it's coming from a saxophone. It's still, I, I can't stand any of it. If it's not like coming from the Kinks or the Weird Al, you can probably catch what songs I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. But I'm, you know what? I don't, I don't necessarily come across like I hate Kenny G. I probably could. Mm hmm. But I don't. I don't. I don't care. You don't I don't have the, care energy. Enough you don't have to the energy to get. Like, there are artists I'd rather save my hate for than Kenny G. Sure. I mean, because I don't hate jazz. I, I don't. Really, I don't listen to jazz. It's not really my thing. I mean, I could jazz guitarists. Those are fine to to me. Like I can have that as a kind of background music, maybe. But can't be the smooth jazz. That's not. That's that's not, that's a mood I'm very ever rarely, if ever, in. So to what, listen do you just, to, do you just hate Miles Davis and all those guys? I don't. I don't hate. I don't hate it. I think there's there's a lot of very one lot of talent coming coming from that mm-hmm. genre. I don't doubt. It. I don't doubt Kenny G is probably a fantastic saxophone player. Mm-hmm. It's just the music itself is just something that doesn't really gravitate me. And if I'm if I am 
for whatever reason, going to listen to jazz. I'm going to go for the more energetic. I'm going to listen to like 1930s jazz. <laughs> okay. Well, I, uh, upon finishing this album, I'm just like, all right, I can't give an accurate representation of Kenny G well, off of a holiday album, right? All right. So, so I'm going to delve in more, and I and I just briefly looked up one song off Spotify, just off his first record, um, a song called Stop and Go. I really got into it. Like, I was like... You played it to me, and it had cowbells, and I instantly thought bad dude, things. Dude, you could barely hear the cowbells oh, on that shit. it was prominent. Whatever. This, this track, Stop and Go, that I looked up after listening to the Holiday album, I really dug. Like, I really got into it. It was funky. It had some this awesome slap bass in it, man. <laughs> Brent's over here laughing at me, but I really dug it. I'm, I'm giving my boy Kenny G a good old college shot. If you're recommending shot. people Kenny G, I'm not, I'm... That's not my recommendation. I'm just saying. I'm okay. giving this... I'm giving well, this man a shot. I'm saying if you do, I'm recommending If anything, them. he's got some good hair. If Look you're at that. Reckon, I, he's got good hair. His hair is fine. His hair is <laughs> magnificent. Other than that. I'm just saying, though, if you recommend people Kenny G, I'm recommending them Blues Traveler, it, just okay. to spite you. Right, whatever. Next next record. What do you think of, what do you think of Blues Traveler, Brent? Horrible. Thank you. Horrible. You Thank people you. are wrong. Boring. You have nothing. But, to, you have nothing to defend. You're recommending people Kenny G. <laughs> <laughs> it's basically music. <laughs> anyway, people are. I'm just saying, Blues Traveler is great. I saw. I saw them live, and John Popper can I'm play sorry that to hear that. <laughs> no, it was fantastic. Their new stuff wasn't very good. I'll give them that. And they left out Crash Burn, which made me very angry. Mm-hmm. But God, he can play. He can play that harmonica. This next record is. Yes. The oh. great is um, better than the Beatles. <laughs> it's it's better than Radiohead. <laughs> I mean Mozart. Oh, I am. I saw this. Like, and I'm like, this is coming home with me. This, <laughs> I'm taking this home. This is gonna be mine. And now I'm thinking about. It, I swear I've seen this in encore CDs before. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I didn't take it home till now because obviously this is majestic. Like I'm, I'm legitimately thinking about making this our, our the, 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 the thumbnail the for this episode. I might have Brit do that because it is truly please do, please do. What's this? What's this record called? It, so it's by an artist. But she's Michigan local actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, so hopefully she doesn't hear this. Uh, although she should because this this is amazing. It's mm-hmm. just Flora Kaywood, I think. This is a side B to her debut album, and it is called Unlistenable Mood Music from an Open Mood. Yeah, highlight highlight that word unlistenable. <laughs> unlistenable. Let me, let me see that. Let me let me read so, out a couple <laughs> track names here. Can, can, can I can I read the inside? Sure, sure. So Go for it. and describe what this looks like. So this looks like my baby's first Photoshop assignment. <laughs> it's, it shows a cat staring off into the horizon over an ocean. Who I presume is the lead singer photoshopped into this. What looks like this floral supernova coming out of the uh, the ocean with her That's face, and she looks like she's having a difficult shit. I, I just, <laughs> photos being taken. It's truly something magnificent. It is. And um, take take a listen to this. This is this album's more epic than Rush. Mm-hmm. Than yes, this is a progressive rock album. All songs written and performed by this person between the ages of 19 and 24. So it took five years to make this thing. Mm-hmm. Although one of them was written at age eight. Which is the first song. First song was written at age eight. Mm-hmm. This album is meant as a side B to Flora's self-titled album. This this album technically has four parts to it. It's four, it's like four overall movements. Yeah, twenty two tracks it's in total. It's a progressive rock album. I'm telling you. First part is unlistable mute music. Uh, it's just tracks one through nine. 
Mm-hmm. Tracks of 10 to 15 is Songwriters Club song. That's actually that's <laughs> actually the most Listen- tolerable. Well, yeah. that's the part that you heard. Yeah. I listened to the last two parts, um, yeah. which uh, contains tracks 16 to 21 called Open New Live Improv. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the bonus, the bonus trance song is the last part, which is a 12-minute long epic. That was, that, was, that was something. Go ahead. Would you like to read some of these song titles? Yeah, yeah. I know you've been okay. waiting to talk. So, uh, yeah, you don't have to have uh, this on the internet of you saying what these titles are so there the third track is called big food big food that's, that's like the big first mood. track yeah big foods was, uh... a, sorry third track i said third okay yeah big food's a big mood uh then after after that track number five uh you got pooping out the worms <laughs> you you're, got, you're pronouncing it wrong you were calling it pooping out worms yeah you forgot I the, forgot the duh. sorry <laughs> I, I i'm sorry i'm so uncultured <laughs> That's track number eight. You got, you got brown wank. <laughs> you got special glue pie filling for Jack Spratt. Okay. I think Brent's gonna kind of like half the shit. Brent's the type of dude to think this is art. <laughs> I'm sorry. Anyway, um, so, oh my god, this this was truly something special. Um, literally, when we were playing the first song called Little Freddy, which she wrote when she was eight years old, mm-hmm. um. It was starting off with this weird, like, kind of ooh, like, calming thing, and then you were like, hey, you know what? Like, this isn't going to be that bad. Yeah, and then three, she, three seconds in, I'm just like, okay, optimism. And we're then sitting in a parking garage. Right after he said that, she busts in, I presume, just, like, layered track files. She probably did an audacity yeah. of her, like, harmonizing, and it sounded pretty bad. And then I was in tears. I almost got in a car accident a couple times driving out of the, the parking yes. garage because I was laughing so hard and my eyes were watering. I was literally stinging. My main, my favorite song is track 10. It's called, it's, a, it's, in, it's under the Songwriters Club song and it's called Creature Underwater and she takes the, she, this, this makes this a concept album because mm-hmm. she puts her mind and she puts herself in the mind of a, of like a, I presume a shark or something. Mm-hmm. And it's like going around eating people and you know, it's obviously great. Although there's another great um, animal song in here called Camel. Which, um, that was a weird one. There was also a couple ones in the, in the mood music that was, like, truly disturbing. Oh, like, yeah. I was, I was having a really uncomfortable drive. Like, we were, we were on our way to the show, and I'm just like, I, I don't know if I can do this. Like, I'm actually, like, I'm feeling uneasy listening to this. And maybe, maybe I don't know, I'm not yeah. going to go too the, deep into this. But, like, I don't know. I've, I've never... I've never really come across in something like this before. Yeah, I'm sure um, Brent listens to this all the time. <laughs> but I mean, um, the, the 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 middle part of the, the middle part of this was actually had so a lot of musical structure. Yeah, yeah. Um, it would actually been better if she had something other than a. You know what? You know what? Um, she had a three dollar mic, and I know you harped on her for that. And mm-hmm. but you know what? You can't, you can't understand. I mean, like some people are working with a budget. Oh yeah. I and know. if all they can afford is the is those 
crappy headsets that you got, like the SOCOM PS2 games, mm-hmm. then you know what? That's what you're going to work with. That is what you're going to work with. And, uh, the le- in, in the last part, Open Move Live Improv was essentially um, more acoustic stuff, a uh, bit weirder. Um, it's a little more weirder than the Songwriters Club, I guess. Uh, she would stop at some points in the song to say, oh, this is not the right song, and then she would do it again. And then you, you, you said you were uncomfortable listening to some of this stuff, mm. but you did not finish this album, unlike I did. Yeah. So I, of course, listened to all of it. And um, the, the last song is probably one of the most uncomfortable ex- listening experiences I've ever had in my <laughs> life. Like, genuinely. This, it was, it's called Dreaming and Singing. And that's pretty much what happened. I swear, it was just her. Just her and I presume her. No instrumentation or anything. No, just nothing. vocals. Yeah. Just her and her, I presume, her very cheap microphone. And I assume this was probably very late at night when she was extremely tired, probably in some sort of delirium state. And it was 12 minutes, and it was sung kind of like in this lullaby melody. Very high-pitched nasal, kind of wistful tones. It was highly creepy, the way she sang. Mm-hmm. And it was pretty much... The most random batshit insane lyrics you've ever heard. Very uncomfortable. I wanted this to end. We'll talk about false stops. Constant. If I didn't know the length of this, I would have gone insane thinking when this song would have ended because I thought it would have never done so. Because mm. literally, just she would f- finish the melody, then like wait a second, and then completely restart. It's almost genius the way she did it. Hmm. It's just you know she was doing it just to f- with you. Very. Yeah, very that's what this album was. The yeah. best thing I've ever heard in my life. Oh, Go dude. check it out. Five out of straight five out of five for me. Perfect like, ten. You, you've got to. Th- this is side B, dude. You got to check down side one. Oh yeah, we're 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 in the works of like searching for. It's on know, Discogs, man. Yeah. You can find it. It's on uh, Wolfbeat Records too. Yeah, I'm surprised. Apparently, she's played with the Majestic. She actually has somewhat of a following, Michigan hmm. following. Well, that being said, if you're a fan of this woman. I want to meet you. <laughs> I really want to talk to you. I just want to get inside your mind, and I want to understand. Because I am, I am open-minded, and I want to understand why this, is, this, this, this I, exists. What are you talking about, Michael? I'm a fan. I'm a fan. I'm a fan of this woman now. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Yeah. I love her. Yeah. I, th- I think I, I'm, I'm going to try to find all of More stuff. creative than John Lennon. All right. That wraps it up that for our, CD, our little CD bin. finds. This is, why, this is why I love doing it, man, because you just it's find fun. a bunch of crazy It's really shit. fun. I've never done this before. Yeah, and, and seriously. If you can find some really obscure music and it turns out to be really good, mm-hmm. if it turns out to be crap, you wasted a dollar. Who Dude, gives a f- I got introduced to Kenny G right now, and I'm just well, so happy. You about didn't that. need that. You didn't need this. <laughs> you didn't need this activity for Kenny G. You just needed to be a. You just needed to be like a 50 year old wine sipper mm. in order to, to, for that to happen. Anyways, recommendations yes. time. Let's just do this, man. I decided to recommend something that another band I've discovered while from doing this ex- exercise before. Uh, the band's called Bottom of the Hudson. I think they're from Pittsburgh, if I remember correctly. Um, I was digging through Wazoo Records, and I found the CD in the dollar bin. It's called the Omaha Records. It's the first album under the band's name. I think it was just I think it was just the lead singer who made it, if I mm-hmm. want to know. And he combined two like demos to make it. It's released in 2003. It's labeled under indie rock, and that's pretty much what it is. Um, lots of... There's a lot of variety in this. It doesn't stray from itself too much, but there's there's like some distortion and um, lots of piano stuff. Like the song Eagle Eye, it reminded me a lot of like Penny Lane mm-hmm. because it had that constant, you know, beat, you know, yeah, piano yeah, yeah. ringing in there. Sure. Um, uh, Chilling Sorcerer, that was a really good one. Soldier had a really has a really good build up on it. Um, this is this is a really interesting record. Um, According to Wikipedia, they're still active. I don't think that's true because they've only they have released an album since two thousand seven. I want to say, mm-hmm. I think it was either in that year or the next year. Uh, they had a 
like a tour bus accident, like mm-hmm. when their tire flew back and they're like their bassist died or something. Mm-hmm. I found a lot of articles on that. And uh, I think one of their drummers had like a major skull injury too. Uh, but I think he was fine. Um, but I haven't seen any music after that. So I assume they just kind of dissolved from there. Um, what I saw, the, ro- the the lineup was constantly rotating anyways. All I know is that this first album there is really good, and I think you should check it out. Um, the song, again, I'd probably check out the song Chilling Sorcerer, Motorcade, or Soldier. Those are my three. again i kind of forgot we do this every week so like i i didn't pick out like a very uh, obscure band i just kind of went into what i've been recent recently listening to because i haven't been doing a lot of like just kind of like casual listening um i've been listening to this band uh, for about a year and a half now um kind of following their stuff as they release more things it's a band called wallows um if anyone has ever watched that show 13 reasons why um there, uh, that dude, um, Dylan Minette, he, uh, this is his band, right? Yeah. And he, uh, and he's played with drummer Cole Preston since they were 11 years old. Okay. Um, they're out of San Francisco. It's a good, really tight indie rock, um, kind of project. Um, I detect a lot of like influences from like the strokes or like Arctic monkeys or Kings of Leon arcade fire, just all of that stuff kind of mixed together in like this very awesome indie post rock pop rock kind of thing going on. I, they have a a, a few singles out and then their, um, their spring EP, uh, all of it's good so far. I, I, I've not found a track that I dislike. Um, my favorite, their big hit, um, having over 11 million monthly wow. listens on, yeah, uh, only, only seven, 738,000 monthly listeners for the band page, but this track pleaser has over 11 million listens on Spotify. What's this band name again? Wallows. Okay. Yeah. Um, the, it's called pleaser that, that track, but, um, just look up any one of their singles or that EP. It's all great. Check it out. It's, it's some great stuff. I'd like to see this band come to the, the spotlight a lot more. week oh yeah if, if, oh yeah if the metal thing is actually gonna happen hair, hair metal hair rock whatever you want to talk about i know michael's gonna have a great time talking about it i know brent's gonna have a great time editing that mm-hmm. bringing in 
Dave Clark, director of student publications, to talk about um, hair metal bands. We're ranking them into categories. Mm-hmm. So that's what we're doing next week. Awesome. I'm, not, I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to it because, well, you'll see why. Uh, Michael will not be. So, all right. Stay tuned, y'all. Thank you for listening. If you've somehow made it this far into whatever the hell this was, mm-hmm. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. Everything. Have a wonderful life. Everything. I love you all. Oh. Bye. I, I don't say <laughs> <laughs> that. was a bit shocking. Goodbye, everyone. Bye.